All right, we'll go ahead and get started. I've heard of some people growing hemp indoors. We're here advocating for the issues that are important to the green industry. Fortunately, they all do need H2B visas. They just don't necessarily realize it. This is The Green Report, bringing the capital to you. Today's episode is sponsored by Texas Nursery and Landscape Association. For over 80 years, the Texas Nursery and Landscape Association has established the most trusted methods of doing business. TNLA is the essential resource providing the framework, essential tools, and foresight for member success and serves as the authority on issues impacting the Texas green industry. Become a member of TNLA today. Hey guys, welcome back to episode five of The Green Report. I'm your host and director of legislative and regulatory affairs at TNLA, Ryan Skrbarczyk. This episode, we'll be diving into the subject of industrial hemp production. Hemp is a strain of the cannabis plant with little to none of the psychoactive ingredient, THC, present in other cannabis plants. Hemp has implications in the production of everything from cloth, rope, concrete, home building materials, cosmetics, pharmaceuticals, and more. In 2018, in the latest version of the Farm Bill, the federal government fully legalized the production of industrial hemp. The state of Texas followed suit this year with House Bill 1325. But don't run out and start propagating just yet. Hemp has been made legal under the law, but you can't grow it until the USDA releases their rules governing its production and the state of Texas issues you a grower's permit. But this new industry has a lot of folks, including those in the nursery business, wondering what this production scheme and market will ultimately look like. That's where our guest comes in. Zach Gennardi is from Colorado and is the guy behind Ruby Hemp Solutions. He produces hemp clones propagated in greenhouses to supply row crop farmers. And while his viewpoints are just one perspective on how hemp can be done, it is a fascinating view into the potential for greenhouse production as part of the industrial hemp industry. Listen in, and I hope you enjoy. Okay. Hey, Zach, thanks for joining us today uh, and talking about this new subject matter for Texas growers, the legalization of hemp. Uh, and we certainly appreciate your time. Well, thank you for having me. Okay, so we met in Lubbock um, at a conference up there, but kind of give us a background on yourself and your company. Explain where, where you're located and what you guys do. Sure. So my name is Zach Gennardi. I'm the owner of Ruby Hemp Solutions. Uh, we're, a young, we're a hemp young plant nursery and based out of northern Colorado, about an hour north of Denver. Um, and we specialize in tissue culture micropropagation, so we sell... Uh, plants directly to farmers, as well as uh, disease-free mother stock to other nurseries. Zach, talk to us about the nature of the industrial hemp plant and how growers propagate the plant really based on what the crop is ultimately going to be used for. So, you know, currently in the hemp industry, you kind of have two different paradigms. You have growers growing for grain and fiber, which is, I think, what most people really think of when they hear the word hemp. But really, the majority of the market in the United States is driven by high CBD hemp cultivation. So these are hemp varieties that are naturally high in CBD, which is a cannabinoid that has tons of medical benefits, 
um, has anti-inflammatory properties. It's been shown to have anti-cancer properties, helps with anxiety, depression. The list kind of goes on. Um, and there's been really, really a huge boom in the market as far as where you know, as far as demand for CBD products. Um, so really, the majority of hemp farmers in the United States are growing hemp specifically for uh, for CBD. So not only do you have the two varieties, the grain and fiber versus the high CBD, but the two plants are actually grown when they're in full production differently. Can you talk about how those plants are grown differently? So, so grain and fiber varieties are typically grown with, with a way higher plant density, something similar to maybe like corn or cotton, um, where you're planting really dense rows. Um, most, most typically people will use uh, pivot irrigation to, for their grain and fiber varieties. Um, these, these are the plants that traditionally grow above seven or eight feet tall at harvest. Um, there are a lot more kind of mechanized uh, harvesting solutions for grain and fiber hemp. Um, so a lot of people that are, a lot of growers that are used to large monoculture uh, crops find that grain and fiber hemp is maybe an easier transition compared to adopting high CBD hemp. However, um, there are a lot of companies that have come out with with um, mechanized solutions for handling and harvesting for the high CBD side. So for high CBD hemp, um, these varieties tend to grow a lot, not necessarily, not a lot shorter, but generally about four to five feet tall at harvest and they're way bushier plants. So you grow them at a lower plant density, generally between 1500 to 2000 plants an acre. Um, and for, for the grain and fiber hemp, you're really harvesting the, the stalks, the stems off the plants, because that's where the majority of the fiber is. You will strip off the flower materi- material because that's where the seeds come from. However, for high CBD hemp, most growers are specifically interested in harvesting just the flower material because that's where the majority of the CBD is, is located. Um, so generally for high CBD hemp, you grow them at a way lower plant density. Typically, um, it looks very similar to um, most vegetable production, you know, using plastic rows with drip irrigation. Um, and it's generally a little more, um, it's considered a, a higher input crop compared to a uh, grain and fiber variety. I know from having seen your presentation on hemp at an earlier time, uh, the flower on the crop is where the money is going to be made on the high CBD variety. And the flower can be very delicate. Uh, given this, are you seeing anyone in Colorado take the crop through its entire production completely indoors, 100% in a nursery greenhouse setting? So the profit market, um, I've heard of some people growing hemp indoors. Um, however, the profit margins really aren't there to support kind of the electricity cost for supplemental lighting. Um, so a lot of growers outside are just tend to be a little, just tend to be more delicate with their harvested product. Um, you know, it definitely just makes more sense economically to be growing outside instead of investing in investing heavily in the infrastructure in the infrastructure to try and grow hemp indoors. Um, you know, so I was saying there are companies that are coming out with mechanized solutions for harvesting. Um, but for high CBD hemp, typically what growers will do, depending on the scale that you're growing, will will hand harvest that material out of the field. will actually take the whole plant and hang dry it in like a pole barn or a shed um, and then, then strip the, the flower and the leaf material right off the stalk. 
um, in order to to prevent you know as much mechanical breakage of that material as possible. So CBD is located in kind of glandular hairs on the flower, and those are pretty delicate. So any kind of any kind of shaking or, or intense kind of a mechanical disruption can potentially lower yield. So a lot of growers will be careful when they when they harvest to maximize their yield and potency. Okay, so what you do and what nursery growers in Texas might want to imitate in is production of clones. Why produce hemp clones? What's the advantage for that kind of uh, close, intensive plant propagation? Currently in the hemp industry, it's, it's very different as far as access to reliable planting stock compared to, I guess, other horticultural crops. You know, other other crops you have established verified seed varieties that that have been you know tested through you know extension through universities have been tested through uh, private companies for decades now right and the issue with hemp is because it is such a new crop there are a lot of companies selling seed but there hasn't been a lot of work done to really stabilize the genetics that are being supplied to farmers so what that means is that when growers plant seed in their field or start from seedlings, they see a pretty high amount of genetic variation in the field. So meaning, you know, because all the seeds are sisters of each other, they see some plants that maybe grow taller or shorter than others that yield, that show differences in yield or potency. And because hemp is so narrowly defined to be below 0.3% THC, variation in your genetics can, can potentially be cause for concern. Um, because of this, what we do at Ruby is we identify high value or high value or elite phenotypes from seed varieties. We identify the the plants in that population that show the best qualities, and we stabilize that as mother stock or planting stock, and propagate from that to offer growers a more consistent and reliable, um, I guess, representation of those varieties. You're right to point out there's a risk of losing your crop due to it testing above 0.3% THC. Uh, You obviously propagate clones and plugs for farmers. Can you do, though, a comparison on the situation with seed versus the use of clone product? Yeah, so there there are a couple different options as far as sourcing genetics for hemp right now. Um, Seeds versus clones on the seed side. You have people selling regular seeds, so hemp is dioecious, meaning that you have separate male and female flowers on separate plants. Um, so what that means is if you're growing from regular seed, generally you'll see about 50% uh, male plants in your field. And the male plants just produce pollen. They're not producing flower that contains CBD. Um, so having males in your field can greatly impact your yields and potency if you're growing for high CBD because the minute that the females become pollinated, they switch, they switch production from producing flowers into developing those seeds. Yeah. Um, but it can greatly impact yields. And of course there's, there's a lot that happens in post-processing to remove the seeds from the flower material. Um, so it can greatly impact profit margins for farmers if you grow from regular seed. Um, there are also companies selling feminized seed. So there's a treatment that can be done on plants during cultivation, um, as they're setting seed, you can apply a, it's a colloidal silver product 
you can apply that to female flowers that causes them to start forming some male flowers and self-pollinate. And through that process, there's an over, you know, 90 to 95% chance that the seeds that are harvested from that, from that female that was sprayed, there's a 95% chance that those seeds become females. And there are companies, you know, there are a lot of people selling feminized seed on the market now. And some companies have obviously done better due diligence than others and will advertise rates as low as, you know, one in 5,000 plants being male, which is pretty good. You know, that's over 99% uh, chance that all your, that, that your seed is going to be a female. However, even at those low percentages, if you're planting 2,000 plants, 2, plants an acre, and you plant 10 acres or 50 acres, you're still going to have that handful of males that do show up in your field. That will require you or someone to go into your field and try and scout and find those males. So cannabis or hemp is um, wind-pollinated. So really, when you have a male plant that gets to four or five feet tall, it's going to produce a lot of pollen. So even though you have that one needle in the haystack, it can still severely affect uh, yields if you don't catch those rogue males in your field. Yeah. Uh, because of that risk, because of that risk, you have a lot of farmers very interested in planting from clones. So clones are cuttings that are propagated from a mother plant. So a mother plant is generally big and bushy, and it's kept in a vegetative state so that multiple cuttings can be taken off of that plant. Mm-hmm. The benefit of clones, when we're talking about the risk of males in your field, is if you take clones from a certified or guaranteed female plant, those clones are guaranteed to be female. So you're able to you're able to supply farmers with 100% females going into the field. Clones that clones also tend to be you know obviously larger than a seedling during initial planting. Sure. Um, so it really helps growers to potentially um, you know shorten their um, I guess their their crop cycle. They're able to go into the field faster with a taller plant to get bigger plants in the same amount of time compared to growing from a seedling. Zach, before we wrap up, are there any special materials, uh, steps, or maybe even equipment a nursery grower would need or at least need to be aware of as they evaluate uh, this new market? Hemp is a is a photoperiod sensitive crop, meaning that it it flowers in response to shorter day length now for most nursery production that's great because you want to send flowering material out the door to your retailers however for cannabis or for hemp you you want to keep that material in a vegetative state as long as possible so supplemental lighting is essential if you're growing during the winter months when the days are shorter Mm -hmm. um this can be you know anything from high intensity lighting to really boost vegetative production during the winter or it could be as you know as simple as a string of CFL bulbs just to augment kind of the day length, right? So, but as far as you know, as far as uh, advanced or specific machinery for hemp nursery production, hemp is a fairly easy plant to propagate. Um, so it should you know it should fit fit really well into the wheelhouse of other. I guess other crops that nurseries are currently propagating. So, well, I would certainly appreciate it. Any any kind of closing thoughts or anything we haven't touched on that you'd like to like to cover for us? No, I, I think we're I 
think we're all set. And I wanted to say, you know, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity again for, for being able to, you know, provide education. You know, we're really excited for, for hemp nursery growers to get into the, uh, to get into the industry. Um, and we're, you know, really excited for, for, you know, what the future holds for, for the rest of the states. If you are interested in learning more about the role of nursery production in the industrial hemp industry, keep an eye out for the TNLA Hemp Workshop this fall. Markets, production, and the new regulations will all be topics of discussion. Check back on tnlaonline.org for details in the near future.